Canucks Central Thursday. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah here in the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. It is now T-minus six days away from the NHL entry draft and one player who could be available in the range that the Canucks will select at 11th overall. Colby Barlow will join us a little bit later on this hour. We continue our discussions with uh, the draft eligibles this year, especially those that may be available in the Canucks range. So uh, get ready for Colby Barlow to be on the show, a uh, proud member of the Owen Sound Attack in the OHL. Great team name to attack. Yes, and uh, from uh, sources close to Owen Sound, uh, I am told they have the best fries in the O. Oh. Just just throwing that out there if you ever happen to be in Owen Sound. All right. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. Next I don't know time. how many people are going to Owen Sound, but uh, maybe can't, if can't say it's on my bucket list of vacation <laughs> stops. Hey, listen, if uh, if the Canucks draft Colby Barlow and he goes back to Owen Sound for next season, yep. and he's lighting it up, maybe might be just a little, maybe might be a little Canucks sports fan kind of trip. Maybe just maybe to figure out if they do have the best fries in the O. We'll uh, we'll have to ask Colby that maybe best too. right shot, no, best left shot in the game, and the best fries in the game. <laughs> Could be, could be. Uh, So we'll get to uh, Colby Barlow here in just a bit. A lot going on in and around the National Hockey League. 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. That's how you get in touch with the show. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. So the draft. Yes. Let's start there, okay? Because we were going to... Sort of do a, uh, hey, we're a week out sort of uh, discussion yesterday. How are things starting to shape up for the Vancouver Canucks? And then Patrick Alvine spoke, and he was on the show. And if you missed it, you can check that out on your favorite podcatcher. Subscribe to Canuck Central. Leave a review. We do appreciate it. And so things got a little haywire. And now six days away, let's check in on the top bit, the top third of the NHL entry draft in the lead-in to the Canucks selecting at 11th overall, at least where they stand now, whether they move up, as Patrick mentioned, or down, which could be a possibility as well. We'll have to find out next Wednesday. Mm -hmm. But it seems like you would have maybe a little bit more clarity getting closer to draft day, but sort of what I'm feeling or hearing sad is, you know, some guys are starting to get more love, you know, like yeah. there seems to be more people in on Simashev now, mm-hmm. and he seems to get climbing up boards. Then Bob McKenzie's list comes out today and it's like, oh man, I didn't know anything about this. Yes. And so it's, it, it's, we're kind of in that range where anything can happen. So as we've discussed quite a bit that there's a lot of variance mm-hmm. when it comes to draft lists. And we mentioned last week that it seemed, there seems to be a top six to eight forming. And we mentioned, you know, obviously we all know the top three, and then Will Smith, Matt Faye Mitchkov, Ryan Leonard, David Reinbacher. Yeah. And then we wondered, okay, so so who's kind of the next guy? And we said the guy who's getting a lot of kind of love is Dalibor Dvorsky. Mm-hmm. And there are some who view him as a top five or six prospect in this year's draft. Like they think right. that he's that, that's, you know, how high the upside could be for the big centerman, the slow back centerman. So 
I think now we kind of know, and that's what Bob McKenzie's list also has Reinbacher eighth, and that's kind of the top eight. And I spoke to some people after the list came out, and and also just kind of going back what we spoke about last week, I think we can kind of confidently say now there is a top eight in this draft. Right. Outside of that, as much as, yes, McKenzie has Benson, Perot, Matthew Wood, uh, Matthew Wood Barlow, Moore, Axel Sandin, Pelika, and Braden Yeager in his top 15, Nate Danielson is 16th, Will Landers 20th, and Dmitry Shimashev is 19th. Yeah. But as we've mentioned, once you get out of that kind of top eight that's now forming, it's like, ask anybody, you get a different list. And that's one thing Bob went out of his way to stress this time, especially about this draft and that, hey, this is only talking to 10 scouts. And given mm-hmm. how this draft, there is a lot of variance and how big kind of the second group is, it's may, it may not be as indicative as it has been in years past. I would look at the top eight as being that's kind of really formed the rest. I think I still think it's going to be very, very fluid come draft time. It's interesting how, you know, even Patrick Alvine mentioned yesterday, uh, at least for him, uh, whether this is a uh, smokescreen or whatever else, how much we should take at face value is mm. always up for debate. I get all of that. But mention they essentially see this draft as a top 15. Yeah. When they look at their draft board. So is that a hint of they don't want to fall further than 15 if somebody's really going to try and come after 11 and make them a nice pitch to yeah. move up in the draft? That could be it. But they seem to have at least their tiers of real quality talents in this draft goes all the way to 15. Yeah. And there's where the variance comes in because you get to that 8-9 hole. Beyond that, it's anybody's guess as we're seeing with the different rankings around the industry. Yeah, in a big way. and Which makes you kind of wonder if Vancouver's going to have pretty good options there mm-hmm. and i think there's a pretty good sense of okay so we know who the top eight that are going we know who the next seven guys we like are yep do we care if we pick 11th or 15th maybe not right the, can somebody give us make us the offer we really really want because we don't see much difference there and like we mentioned yesterday if if alvin was doing anything by talking about um wanting to move up in the draft if there's any kind of you think you want to read into it is that maybe he's trying to get people to understand that they have to bid high to take number 11 mm-hmm. or he was just messing with us for the sake of messing <laughs> with us. Like it's, it's one of those two things for me. It's not yes. like he's actually trying to go out there and give up assets to move up in the draft. It's either to a create that posture, at least publicly or B yeah, just mess with us. Cause they've done that before too. So I'm kind of curious how, you know, we think it, it plays out after those top eight, so to reiterate, Fantilli, uh, Bedard, Fantilli, Carlson, Will Smith, Mitchkoff, Leonard, Dvorsky, Reinbacher. There's your eight. After that, how does the draft start to look? And at nine, you have the Detroit Red Wings. At 10, you have the St. Louis Blues just ahead of the Vancouver Canucks at 11. Yeah, and the Blues, uh, and, and we'll see if this is true or not. It's going to be a great, it's going to be amazing to find out if all the draft buzz around the Blues and Axel Sandin Palika is true. Yeah. Because it looks like they're going to have a chance to draft them, at least based on what we're, you know, what we're looking at you know, just under a week out uh, from the NHL draft. Because then if he goes, then really, even if at number, say, uh, nine to Detroit, even if it is 
Warlander or Nate Danielson that goes. That means one of those two guys will be available. Barlow's going to be there who they met with. Shemeshev, who they want to meet with in Nashville, he's going to be available. Right. So you start going through that. That's all, all of a sudden three, three, four guys. Yeah. That means that gets you to 15. <laughs> so I think there is a decent chance here, you know, yeah. looking at it and, and trying to figure out if that's a top eight and what Alvin mentioned yesterday, that if somebody makes the right type of offer in that, say, 15 to 14, you know, 13 range, they'll, they'll move down. And I think the hope here is to get a second round pick. I listened to Chuck Fletcher on uh, the 32 Thoughts podcast with yeah. uh, Merrick and Friedman. And one thing he mentioned was one year when they, where they had an offer to trade uh, up. They had somebody to want to trade up a 14 to 11, and they got a second round pick and a later pick back in return. That's kind of what Vancouver's looking at here if they're if they're going down to 14 or 15. It's one way that they get back into the second round, yeah. uh, which uh, not so much yesterday, but in the past, Patrick Alvin uh, hinted that it's something the Canucks might want to do after they traded away for Philip Peronic. They don't have a second rounder for next year. So, and, and, and again, to reiterate yeah. what we talked about with trading up, you know, like what assets does this team have to really trade up even a few spots right into the top 10. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's really hard to sort of make that package if you are Vancouver and maybe we'll find out next week. If this was all just Patrick trying to send a message across the league of we'd listen if yes. you really want to call for 11. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and when, you know, we'll, we'll do a lot more drafts up, especially we talk to Barlow yeah. and stuff like that. I get it. But just one thing to add to that. And if we're kind of taking something at face value from Alvin yesterday as well about, yeah, sure. We're like the, we like the defenseman, we like the centerman in this year's draft, but we're going to take BPA. And if you are willing to move down from 11 to 15 potentially, mm-hmm. or even 14, depending on right, that means you're going to have to risk the center or the D you want not being there. But you're comfortable enough that if the winger is there, you're happy with it. So I think that's kind of yeah. So if you're being fluid about it, that that's the risk of going down. But it's not a risk if you feel that highly about these players. So if Vancouver feels that highly about Barlow, that highly about Zach Benson. Mm-hmm. Then if even if they miss on those guys at 15, they'll be happy to get that guy and get the second round pick because they view those guys as being on the same tier, same level. And I don't think they're afraid of uh, you know taking a, a Russian player. Uh, obviously, they've they've got enough Russians that they've acquired and have a ton of Milstein clients already, anyways. So you know, if Simashev was their guy, do yeah. they think that they could move down a couple of spots mm-hmm. and still be able to get him? Since there may be some trepidation to Simashev, who you know he's a left shot compared to the other guys who are right shot defensemen. They tend to get a little bit of a bump because of that. The Reinbacher. Walinder Palika sort of uh, combo triad there of right shot defensemen that are all likely to go here in the top 15. How does Simashev fit into that? Plus, he's got the Russian factor. Mm-hmm. Does he get bumped down, even though you know, I've talked to enough people that do have him number one yep. on their list of the quality of defensemen in this draft? So it's it's a really interesting spot that the Canucks find themselves in. And for a team that doesn't have a ton of draft assets, um, you know, maybe moving down could be a really interesting play for them. Uh, there are three righties and one lefty that are considered the top four. Yeah. And each one of those guys has been number one on varying lists. Yes. That kind of tells you about how, how fluid yeah. it is, how hard it is to really nail down what's going to truly happen in terms of which guy goes first. Outside of, there seems to be a good sense now that Ryan Bacher's the first defenseman that's going to get drafted. So 
beyond that, you know, you, you look at the defenseman. I think Benson is a guy that's really interesting in all this as mm-hmm. well. I could see some teams being like, that's a guy that we really would love to have. And if he falls to a certain spot, maybe they do want or would be interested in moving up to go and get him. Um, he's going to go somewhere pretty high. And the only reason I can see him dropping out of the top 12 is maybe the size question marks become a little bit too much, but that's a player that's got a lot of talent. Oliver Moore, I think is, and we've talked to him here on the show. We've talked about him as a prospect. I'm really curious as to how he ends up in this first round set because he's the best skater in the draft. I don't think there's too much debate about that. And it's almost, I mean, we've talked about this before. It's, it's, it's hard to get a feel for him because you know, the knock on him is his IQ. Yeah. And, and sometimes when I'm watching the tape with Oliver Moore, it's like he's further ahead of the play than, yeah. than his line mates are because he's moving at a different speed than most yeah. other guys he's playing with. Right. So I kind of wonder how it would look at another level, at a next level right. for Oliver Moore. And, you know, that's kind of the, the difficult part with a lot of these prospects. Like with Nate Danielson, it's like, well, he wasn't on a very good team. So, you know, can we really be sure that his offense isn't that great when he might have been brought down a little bit by his line mates, by his teammates, by the situation he was in? That's kind of, you know, the things you have to debate when you're at the draft table as a team. Well, you're always going through the context of why the player produced or didn't produce at the level you expect given the talent from when you watch yep. the player. And and it's always important to go through the context, right? And now at the same time, if you really like a guy, you can always come up with some context that makes you, you know, either dismiss certain shortcomings or overlook certain things and just contextualize it away. Like yep. it's easy to do that as well. So you got to be very, very careful with it. But you're right. When, when I look at Oliver Moore, my biggest question isn't that he's not smart. It's that, yeah, he's just so much faster than everybody else on the ice. And playing the structure in the NHL and the pace of the NHL, if he's at the same level at those guys, do we see that quickness and that quick decision-making of his actually work out a lot better and be more seamless? And if it is, then... But th- th- here's the thing. It's a projection on all these yeah. guys. You know what I mean? And the only thing knocking Oliver Moore back is the fact he's 5'11". Mm-hmm. He's under six feet. Yeah. And if you're projecting a big-time long-term centerman and, and being the defensive ace, people look at that and say, I'm not, I'm not quite sure, no matter how fast he is. Yeah. And that's the only thing to, to wonder about. And I'm curious to find out if Vancouver met with more or not. Because if they didn't, then you can probably dismiss them drafting him. Yeah, especially uh, with you know how much Patrick uh, told us he values those interviews that they get with prospects. Uh, this text coming in, Hronik cost just a first-round pick. The Canucks' second-round pick was used to dump the Dickinson contract. Hronik cost... The Islanders first plus the Canucks second for this year. The Dickinson second rounder is a 2024 pick. So that's why the Canucks do not have a second round pick in this year's draft currently or next year's draft either, just to clarify there with the texter. And depending on, you know, like for instance, Nashville's a team that probably wants to move up if they can. Mm -hmm. It's the draft is in Nashville. Yep. They have two first second round picks this year. They have three second-round picks next year. So they got some options. <laughs> yeah, they have, th- uh, they have three thirds, three fourths. And, and they were they have... all acquired in the Tanner Janot deal. Yeah, all of them, pretty much. <laughs> every single one of them. Yeah, they have uh, future, as far as future picks, with one, two, three. They have four. They have five uh, future uh, lightning picks, and two of them are this, this season. But, I mean, and, and that's the thing. 
Like that's a team yeah. to kind of keep an eye out that they have the picks to get up there. Mm-hmm. It's just how high do they want to go and how high can they go? Uh, is there any other prospect you wanted to touch on here before uh, we move on and touch on uh, the Calgary Flames who are apparently going to have um, half of an NHL roster after this offseason? Yeah, let's uh, let's let's get to that. The only th- the only guy uh, I would bring up uh, is Braden Yeager. Okay. That's the only guy I, I want to keep an eye on. And that's again I want to find out has is he is he a guy that Vancouver has spoken to or not? Mm-hmm. Because if you're if you we don't want you want to knock the sides of Oliver Moore, the same thing for Jaeger. Yeah. But he's a guy we spoke to, very smart. Very smart player, very good shot, a lot of high end qualities to him. It's just what's the projection you have for him? It's uh Canuck Central, Dan Richo and Satyar Shaw. So in case you missed it today, there was just a, a flurry of news around the Calgary Flames. I don't know if they were just talking to agents all day. Craig Conroy starting to do his due diligence, Ooh. but um, Michael Backlund does not want to be a Calgary Flame beyond this year, at least. Yeah. That's where things are headed. Uh, same goes for Tyler Toffoli mm-hmm. and Noah Hannafin. As well. They have other unrestricted free agents uh, beyond next season. Chris Tanev is included in that. Uh, Elias Lindholm is included in that. Who is still deciding whether he wants to be there or not, but is leaning, apparently, according to Frank Cervalli, to wanting out as well. Yeah, and uh, when there's a mass exodus like this, it almost feels like, you know, everybody is going to be quick to go. And not to pat myself on the back, but I'm going to pat myself on the back. And I remember this conversation we had last year when Gaudreau left. It's like, and Kachuk is saying he wants to go. It's like, maybe as well just hit the rebuild button. Try to get as many assets as you can and do a quick reset because you have so many expirings coming in the next couple of years. They did not do that. Now they have Huberto, Kadri, and Uyghur signed all until at least the age of 36. So it's... uh, it's going to be an interesting spot that the Calgary Flames find themselves in. Well, they're committed. Yeah. They've already said they're committed. And I think once you make the investment of Huberto too, Weaker and Kadri, mm-hmm. all in, you know, one within one calendar year, it's kind of hard not to be in, especially with that organization too. So that's a team that, that doesn't want to want a big rebuild here. Yeah. The thing is, I, the thing I wonder about, how can you, how can you, try to make these trades, right? Craig Conroy was pretty obvious. Like, I want guys who want to be here. Right. Right? He said that, like, a thousand times in his opening press conference. Or, yeah, guys who want to be here, or, I might add, have to be here. (laughs) So that could be a part of it, too. But he learned from the Johnny Gaudreau situation. He's not going to get caught up in losing these guys for free because all of them Mm -hmm. could be pretty valuable, even if they kick the can down the road with some of them to the NHL trade deadline next season. But how do you go about trading these guys and not... Like, you can't make hockey deals with all of them. Not all of them, but, I mean, how many of them can you trade for draft picks today? Yeah. Like, you're not getting a first for Toffoli today, most likely. You're not getting a first for Tanev today, most I think Hannafin, you could, you could trade for some kind of a... Yeah. I futures think, package today or in the lead up to the draft if you really uh, wanted to Lindholm and Hannafin you can you know yeah the two defense like the defenseman and the, and the big centerman those two guys there was interest in you can get a first round pick in futures for if you want to make the deal but aren't they also your best bet to get some pretty good ready-made players back for too right I, yeah I mean you know when they um I mean they got Lindholm and Hannafin in the Dougie Hamilton trade many moons ago that was also a draft day trade uh 
uh, second day at the draft yeah. trade and Hamilton wasn't going to stay there. So they decided, all right, let's move on. And they end up getting Hannafin and Lindholm in that deal worked out pretty well yeah. for both teams in that situation. I just, uh, look, they, they did it. <laughs> Tree living did it last year with Kachuk. I just don't know how many more situations there are out there that you're going to be out and available to do that because there's even like how many trade partners can you find even winnipeg even winnipeg has you know wants to do these same types of things they want to make hockey deals they don't want to make strictly futures deals for all the guys that they've got to move right but like for instance like if lindholm was open to signing in winnipeg and shifley was open to signing in calgary yeah that that could have been an easy thing to do, but Lindholm probably doesn't want to go to Winnipeg. Right. Right. Now Shifley from Winnipeg to Calgary, it's a it's an upgrade. It is. Yep. Like going from Winnipeg to Calgary, no matter what you think of Calgary, it's it's life's a bit better, right? Yep. So maybe Shifley doesn't mind, you know, maybe mm-hmm. going to going to Calgary and playing there or something along those lines. But I think he wants to go somewhere where he can win though. Yeah. Well, I mean but but it depends. Like they also want to get paid, Dan. Yeah. Guys want to get paid. Lindholm has been there now and he's a bit tired of it, I guess, and everything, but they want to get paid. Calgary is not afraid of paying guys. Mm-hmm. They've been paying guys now, as you've seen. And I think they, they'd like to do something along those lines. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they explore all trades like that. I mean, Brandon and Vancouver text then. So JT for Lindholm confirmed. I mean, like, I don't know if Vancouver would want to do that because Lindholm, Lindholm is younger. Yeah. He's a couple years younger. He'll be 29 if he signs an extension for it to kick in. But not that much younger than JT. No, but he is a little bit younger. Uh, you'd have him a year younger when he signs the extension, which is notable, right? Mm-hmm. And you get him this year a little bit cheaper and everything. But his contract's going to be significantly bigger. It's going to be eight years, and it's probably going to be eight point. It's probably going to be the Bo Horvat contract. Yeah, something around the hints or Bo Horvat contract. Now, you may like that swap, but it's like it's really like, do you prefer player A or player B, even mm-hmm. though Lindholm is, is significantly a better penalty killer and better two-way player? So... Runner-up for the Selkie last season. Yeah. Now, again, would Lindholm want to be in Vancouver? Does he have his eyes set on somewhere else? I think those are the types of trades, though, like Brandon mentions, that I think Calgary's going to try to explore. Can they trade for another player who's not that far off from him that maybe is under contract? Or maybe you can... Who is in the last year of his deal that they can convince to sign? It's uh, it's tough spot. With as many UFAs as they've got, um, it feels like this could be... Like, if I'm Craig Conroy, you know, and they just brought in Ryan Huska, he talked about bringing in more young players. I, not that it's a full-on rebuild, because you do have some pretty big contracts on board, but is this one of those quick reset spots for the Calgary Flames? Yeah. Um, all right, we're going to have Colby Barlow on. We will. Uh, hit one question quickly here. Yep. Uh, uh, this one says, would you do Besser for Toffoli? Uh, where do we sign? <laughs> Can we put in the trade call? Yeah. I mean, hey, I don't know if that's <laughs> what, what Calgary would want to do is only buying an extra year of control here, but that's from Fish and, Cal- and Langley. That one, Send, uh, texting it in. That one could be interesting uh, for sure. Uh, it's Dan Richo, Satyar Shah, Colby Barlow next on Canuck Central. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Canuck Central in the Kintec studio. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shaw. Continuing to get ready for the NHL entry draft. And uh, we welcome in our next guest, the uh, pride of Aurelia, Ontario. 46 goals with the Owen Sound attack last year 
in the OHL and one of the highly touted prospects going into next week's draft. It is Colby Barlow. Thanks for this, Colby. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So you had a big season, hey? How you feeling? Uh, pretty good. It went by, uh, you know, in the blink of an eye. Uh, you know, everybody says, uh, you know, the season goes by uh, pretty fast, especially in junior hockey, and it's pretty pretty crazy that, you know, the draft next week, it's, uh, yeah, I can't even believe it. And what's this uh, pre-draft process been like for you? Was it what you expected? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's been pretty crazy. I mean, with, with interviews and then, uh, you know, at the combine and the training and just getting ready, it's uh, it's been it's been a lot, but it's been, uh, you know, it's been fun. What's the combine experience like? Yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty cool experience. I mean, you go there and you get to, you know, meet with all the, uh, you know, top prospects and then you get to meet with, with all the teams and, you know, you have your meetings with, um, you know, whoever you're scheduled with. So it, it, it went by in the, in the blink of an eye, just like everything else has this year. So, uh, but no, it's a, it's a great experience nonetheless. Well, yeah. And I mean, like you mentioned, it was, it was quite the year for you, obviously uh, playing in the OHL, playing with team Canada as well. And, and, you know, before we get to a lot of your skills and everything that you did, I think one of the more underreported storylines about your season was you played banged up. Like you, you're the type of guy that plays through injuries and we all know about the goal scoring prowess. I mean, the year prior 30 goals, this past year, 46 goals and 50 odd some games. How, how were you able to be this productive and fighting through things all season? I think it's just resiliency and, um, you know, just kind of understanding the whole process to get to, uh, to that point in your career and then just pushing through those things. I mean, everybody has bad days no matter what your job is. So I think it's just making sure you bury your head and, and do the best you can, uh, you know, with uh, whatever day presents itself. It's the mustache power, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> got something to do with it for sure <laughs> and you yeah i, I read that uh, you mentioned because i know the guys uh, at, at the world uh, with hockey canada were ge- grinding your gears and bugging you about it but you said your mustache grew in what at grade eight because i can relate man like uh, i was in grade eight and like you know I'm like, <laughs> nobody has anything and that my mustache and beard's like growing in already man so i feel you it happens early sometimes <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i you know, I, I shot myself in the foot, shoot, uh, or uh, you know, shaving it at such a young age. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, one of the things, you know, as uh, as we've gone through this and, and looking at a lot of a lot of the prospects as we get ready for for Wednesday here on the show, you know, the the, the one thing, I mean, two things about your game that really stood out: your your constant motor, like you're always you're always getting after it on the ice and, and, and the shot, but let's, let's start on the motor. Like where, where did that uh, develop from? And, and uh, you know, how do you, how do you keep going uh, as much as you do through the games? I think it's just a lot of off season training, uh, you know, making sure I'm coming back um, you know, into the season that, you know, going full throttle and making sure, you know, I can play whenever, whenever I'm called upon. So making sure my motor's always kind of, kind of ready for, for whatever calls. I think that's just a big thing is just that off, that off summer training. Well, and, and as far as, you know, one of the best attributes in your game, it's, it's your deadly release and the shot that you have. And the thing that, you know, Dan and I were talking about as well, pregame and pre-show and, and, you know, when we watch your tape and watch you play, you get your shot off in, in a lot of different ways. It's not just about being, a you know, a perimeter scorer. You score in front of the net as well, slap shots, a, a snap shots, wristers. But the thing that, that really stands out when we watch is you're able to get that shot off in tight areas as well. Like what, what makes you so adept at finding space and getting good shots on net no matter where you are in the offensive zone i think it just comes from after practice working on it i think um you know i stay with a few guys after you know every single practice and we work on all these different kind of releases and shots in different areas from you know all around the offensive zone so i think it's just practicing as as much as 
you know, I can when it comes to, you know, in tight or, or from around um, from around the net or from, from outside perimeter. I think it all just kind of comes together in the end, uh, you know, just working on it so much. Where do you see your game continuing to develop uh, going into next year? Yeah, I think just continuing to be the player I am. I don't think I need to change, you know, you know, my morals and my game. I think it just obviously continue to be to be a better player and, uh, you know, broaden my, my playmaking abilities and, uh, you know, keep working on my motor and just become, you know, that, that 200-foot power forward that, that, you know, I want to be and that, that I'm, uh, you know, transforming into. Well, I mean, I think sometimes it's unfair to, to create player comparables, but I think when it comes to maybe guys that you watch, I think there's a player on the Vancouver Canucks that I wouldn't say you compare yourself to, but you kind of like how he plays. Yeah, JT Miller definitely a, is a player that, that I watch, and I love, uh, love the way he plays, you know, a hard enough skill game. It's, uh, it's fun to watch. Uh, you, you mentioned being a, a power forward. It's uh, a bit of a player type that's uh, kind of gone missing a little bit at the at the NHL <laughs> level. Uh, what's uh, what's your feel on why that why you identify as that player type? I think that's just been the player I've uh, you know always been growing up playing through minor hockey. I've always just kind of been I've never been you know that that flashy flashy toe drag end end kind of guy. I've always played you know a hard heavy game on both ends of the ice, and I think I've just kind of. I understood that was that was my identity, and uh, you know I just, I just keep working on it. Well, and as far as some of the teams that you spoke to, you had a chance to sit down with Vancouver. Yeah. And how those conversations go? Yeah, they went really well. I mean, it's uh, it's a great organization, and uh, yeah, we uh, we had a you know a few conversations, and they all they all went really well. Uh, Colby Barlow, our guest, joining us here on uh, on Canuck Central. So one thing I hear about Owen Sound, I, I, I don't know if you'll have the answer for me, but uh, I'm told they have the best fries in the OHL. Is this true? <laughs> I don't know if you'll believe me if I said I've never tried them before. Wow. That's probably the good answer going so, into so the draft. So already yeah. on the NHL diet, hey? <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but I'm just saying uh, uh, from the trainer's perspective, they are, they right. are top-notch, so... All right, so so what are we doing in Owen Sound if we ever go visit some good golf courses around or what? Yeah, there's some beauty golf courses up there. I mean, Legacy Ridge, that's where where I play the most. There's uh, there's yeah, there's a few nice courses up there. I haven't got out to uh, out to all of them. There's some expensive ones, and so yeah, uh, yeah but but there are some beauty courses. I mean, in the winter, uh, not too much, not, not too much time during the winter, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's usually just hockey, but summer it's it's a beautiful place. Well, and, you know, uh, before I let you go uh, as well, I know when you get to this point, there are always a lot of people that help you get here and a lot of people that have supported you, obviously. You're not quite there yet a week to go to find out exactly where you land in the first round, but what's it kind of been like maybe reflecting on getting here, especially with people who helped you get here, friends, family, and mentors? Yeah, there's been there's been a lot of people that have uh, helped me get to, to where I am today. I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be near the player person I am, especially without, you know, my parents, my brothers, my family. And, you know, there's been, there's been a lot of people that, you know, helped me with sponsorships along the way. And, you know, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a long ride up to now, but it's, uh, you know, it's something I wouldn't change the world for. Hey Colby, really appreciate your time. Uh, it's been a lot of fun getting to know you. All the best going into next week. Yeah. Thank you guys. Uh, there is Colby Barlow, uh, one of the 
top prospects going into the NHL entry draft yeah. next Wednesday. Yeah, and you know Sam texts in. It's like, what? Yes, get this kid or whatever. I mean, you know, he I, hasn't I, tried the fries. He hasn't know? tried that's, the fries. Honestly, that's that's not a red flag. I'll <laughs> say that much. Not, <laughs> it's disciplined. It's disciplined. I don't know if I could resist the urge of trying fries that are renowned as the best in the world. Like I'd be yes. like, I have to find out for myself. Is this true or not? <laughs> I gotta try. I don't know if I could sleep at night without trying it. Like you know, how many days in before I you know I start questioning my existence? The the, uh, the fryers probably just been uh, going for for years uh with the owen sound attack game yeah. so but a mature kid right yeah real mature and uh you know understands his game understands what he wants to be where he has success and you know he he, he knows his identity as a player mm-hmm. and i think that's um that's important and a lot of these guys we've talked to they they do have a real strong awareness of where their games are where they still need to grow and the things they need to do to continue getting better as yeah. they try to climb the levels of professional hockey. Yeah, and all you can really ask for is guys who are dedicated to doing everything they can to get there. And then honestly, and I know it doesn't get said enough, but a lot of it also just comes down to human luck. Yeah, Like what happens in your life between the age of 18 to 21, 22? And how do you handle those things while trying to become an NHL player? Yeah, And when you talk to a lot of guys who were on the verge or tried and didn't make it a lot of them have a common theme about things going on in their life that didn't allow them to truly either have the confidence Mm -hmm. have the focus and the true dedication to getting to the nhl and then have the resilience to handle being in the nhl right so you can a lot of it just comes out what's gonna happen in that person's life and how they handle things and, and mature over those ages and that is such a hard thing to navigate and try to predict on people. But it seems like he has a lot of factors that get get you pretty excited about him having the right mentality to get to the NHL. Mm-hmm. And more than anything, Dan, when you watch him play, the drive and the motor, sure. And I think that gives you the, okay, like this guy is going to do everything humanly possible. And yep. He's going to give everything he has and you feel good about that. But that shot's like plus, plus, plus. Yep. Like really plus, plus, plus. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's probably the best shot. I mean, him and Mitchkov. Yeah. Oh, Bedard. Yeah, when, yeah. I mean, I mean, I have Bedard like in a different class. You know, to me, it's like Bedard's like Bedard unicorn. He's just he's he's ranked differently yeah. than everybody else. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't regard his skill set compared. Yes. Like, he, he's a god amongst you know the humans <laughs> and, and immortals. So it's like I'm talking about the mortals in this year's yes. draft, right? And outside of him, it's like Mitchkov and him. Like they're right there. Well, the one thing about it is, and look, you see it at at the NHL level. Some guys, and you know, we've talked about this. Even with a player like Elias Pettersson at times, you know, the sometimes the the one timer has to be put on a tee for him to get it off yeah. the real like the way that we know he can, and you know that's one of the things I noticed with uh, watching some of the tape on Barlow is he can get that shot off from many different angles and yeah. in a very short amount of time. Yeah, I mean the thing with Pettersson too, he's he has he's got a, a really long stick as well yes. too, and especially on shots that are getting received, that's it kind of has to be in a certain space for him to to get it off. Um, and it's, man, well, I didn't want to mention this. I, but I, I just wanted to, to, to point it out just for the sake right. of, it's not always the easiest thing to get shots off not. in, in awkward areas. Like, honestly, like it's, what is Alex Ovechkin's greatest attribute? That he can get that shot off with pace pretty much 
anytime, anywhere. And any shot, any pass to him for the one-timer in his radius, he can get off. Like, it doesn't have to be perfect. Like, he can contort, move, yeah, yeah. dip, do whatever it takes. Like, don't be off balance and still get a decent shot off, right? Yeah. Like, it's it's kind of like what Kobe's greatest talent was. He could get his shot off no matter what. He wasn't the best shooter. Yeah. And Ovechkin might not be the most accurate shooter, but he's a high-volume shooter, and he gets a shot off no matter what. And that's a hard thing to do, and he does it really effectively, right? And it's, there is some of that in Kobe yeah. Barlow's game. And it's... uh. It's it's a criticism uh, you know I've had of of Brock Besser who did it in his rookie year got his shot off quite a bit but in, in more recent years he's not getting his shot off as often he's not finding those little uh, pockets of space to get that shot off and do we you want know, me to give a theory on that okay <laughs> I mean <laughs> finish I, your thought first but go on with a player like Barlow look it's going to get tougher once you graduate into the A and mm-hmm. then the NHL to continue to be able to do these types of things but. You know, I just I came away really impressed with how he was able to get his shot off, shot off well as often as he did. And the, the the big thing too is how do you adjust? Yeah. And the biggest thing is adjustment to a lot of these guys, especially after their first year. Because how often do you see Brock Besser not get crowded in the offensive zone now? Like he's he's constantly crowded. Guys get yeah. on him, and they know that he doesn't have the quickness to beat them. So once you get in his space, they know he's not going to do much. Yeah. And that's where a guy like Barlow is going to have to adjust in the NHL because guy's going to be on you a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to almost – you still have to get creative in how you find space, and you got to get quicker. Yeah. And either your reads have to be incredible or you got to have, 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 a, have to find a way to be faster. And, like, for instance, you look at Pavelski. It's not that Pavelski is the fastest, quickest guy. He's not even the biggest guy. But how often do you see him appear out of nowhere? Oh, yeah. He's all, all the time. time. That's yeah. how he scores. You yeah. know, like he's, he's deceptive. He, he's very crafting how he finds space, and he's very smart in that sense. And Besser just hasn't evolved, you know, and he's crowded all the time. And, and I guess that would be um, maybe the, the knock on, on Barlow, if there is one, is the, the skating. Uh, he can be kind of a straight-line player sometimes, and – you know, he's going to have to find some more nuance uh, to his game as he starts to, to graduate a little bit. But mm-hmm. a really impressive player as uh, he lines up for getting selected potentially in the top 15 here next week. It's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah here on Canuck Central. Into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox we go. By the way, still lots to come. We're going to have Shana Goldman. She's going to talk about Rock Besser. We will. We'll talk about Besser there. And uh, also Kevin Woodley going to join us in the second hour of the show. We'll talk about uh, goaltending, of course, but also what Patrick Alvin had to say in the mm-hmm. OEL buyout with him, too. Uh, covering the Canucks for NHL.com. So when we look at the uh, Dunbar Lumber text message inbox, going back to uh, <laughs> Torgi and some others, still absolutely uh, in love with the idea of uh, maybe... Making some trades with the Calgary Flames. Oh, yeah. I mean, Torgi says, I love it with Calgary. I hope everyone leaves and they suck for years, right? And <laughs> and I think for Calgary, they're going to have to, if they're trying to be good, they're going to have to try to look to make deals like we just mentioned. Like, do you trade a guy like Hannafin, or no, not Hannafin, because we'll see. It's going to be hard for you to make a one-for-one swap for yep. a defenseman. You're probably better off taking assets and trying to find somebody else in that way. But your forwards, can they find a center for Lindholm? Can they find another winger return, perhaps, for Toffoli? You know, is that what they're looking at potentially? Yeah. Um, How do you just, like, if you're Craig Conroy, are you worried about making these trades right now? Or do you kick the can into the season? Well, he said, he put him, like, he painted himself into at least a public corner 
You know, because I, I think sometimes we're like, this guy painted himself in a corner by yeah. saying this. Like, no, he we're didn't. not going like, to lose players for free. Like, it, it, he he spoke on air. It, it, that's not binding. It's not a legally yeah. binding statement. You know what I mean? Like, he can change his mind. It doesn't yes. have to be. It doesn't have to apply. But he said we want to, you know, make decisions on guys before. But I don't think you're going to be able to get futures and maximize Tanev or Toffoli right now, or even Backlund. Even Backlund. I think those three guys are tough. It's like you mentioned, Lindholm and Hannafin, because they're you know such quality players and they're play they play premium positions. Yeah, and a few of those guys are available this year. Um, it's it, they're the two that you know other teams would say this could be our big offseason acquisition, mm-hmm. and they'd want to add you know uh, probably sign a contract extension with either of those guys right away. But the other thing about the Toffolis and, and Backlins and Tanevs of the world, you know, they're into their 30s. So they're more likely just rental types well, for a lot of contending teams. How about this then? Like for Vancouver, like I see people mention, like, what about Backlund? Well, Backlund, he's 34. The contract's for whatever. They want value back for it. Yeah. Like, why don't you just go and sign Ryan O'Reilly then? Yeah. O'Reilly's getting three years, though. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, if you're trading for Backlund, you're trading up, you're giving up assets, and you're probably not doing it just for one year. You're probably extending him for a year or two. Yeah. Like, why do that, and why not just go and sign Ryan O'Reilly, who Elliot Friedman just, you know, you know, just kind of, like, coyly wondered about out of nowhere. And it was it was on the 32 Thoughts podcast, and the best part about it was it was an insert. Yes. It wasn't like, you know, hey, they just spoke about it. He mentioned they moved on. It was an insert into the podcast and him going, I just wonder about Ryan O'Reilly in Vancouver. Just my opinion, just a question I have. I'm like... That's a pretty odd question to throw in there, Elliot, unless yeah. you know something or at least have some spidey sense, I'd say. So do we think <laughs> Ryan O'Reilly is a possibility for the Vancouver Canucks? I, I mean, yes, possibility. Um, likely possibility, I would say no. Cause it's, cause, it would okay. take up a big chunk yes. of whatever available cap space they have. Much like we spoke about Barbashev, can you make that type of forward addition yeah. without clearing a bit more money, especially if you're looking to still improve the defense? Yeah. But Probably it, I mean, not. You can't do. You can't really do that. You can't. Realistically, you can't really do that unless no. you're shopping at the five and dime to help out your D. No, no. So I mean, what what is the cheapest price for O'Reilly that you're paying him per year? Five million. Yeah. Let's say for argument's sake, four point seven five. If you give him what five years, I think he's a, getting like three times six, maybe somewhere. Yeah, he's getting over fifteen over three or four years. You look at the comparables. You're right. You look at the comparables for guys his age and his profile. Yeah, that have the pedigree that he has. Yeah, it's like a twenty to thirty million dollar contract potentially. Yep, which is, which is a lot for a guy his age. Is he willing to take less somewhere? Maybe, yeah. but I'm not. I'm not sure he's willing to take less in Vancouver. Like Pavelski, when he left San Jose, got the three three years, twenty one million. Yes. from Dallas. Yes, is that something? I, yeah. Like that seems rich for yes. O'Reilly, but I could see him getting three, maybe four years, uh, around six million per. Or in that range. Yeah, I, I could see that. Now, he did have a bit of a down year, mm-hmm. and he has lost some pace, and that's becoming something that teams are more uh, leery of in the past. Like, you know, we saw David Backus get his extension, similar age, yeah. and it was like, you know, you know, huge contract. It was like, you know, 30-some million, and that didn't age well. So there could be some, you know, uh, hesitancy around the league, perhaps, to go that deep on him. But But again, the point being... And I think we all agree whether we think it's fifteen million or twenty-five million, he's getting somewhere like five yeah. million per year. And can Vancouver truly do that? But my point is, why go and trade for Backlund, who has a cap hit the same as yeah. O'Reilly would get, plus give up assets when you can just go and sign a guy like that in a free agency? Would he fit? 
Well, yeah. I mean, if you're going after it's hard was, not to fit Ryan O'Reilly into your roster. Yeah, he'd help yeah. your team. He doesn't have the pace and everything, but I mean, like he he would make your team significantly better, especially for a year or two. So, do you play him on a separate line from JT Miller, or do you try to pair them together? Let, let's just you know, we're we're living in hypotheticals. I get it. Yes, I mean, you could uh, you could do either. I think if you're, I think what you should do if you're bringing O'Reilly in, I think you should still sign another depth center. Right. Like a free agent. I get one of the cheap guys on a one-year deal like we've spoken about. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's a Luke Glendening yeah. or, or perhaps higher skill Teddy Bluger, who we've spoken about as yeah. well. Achari might be a little higher price, but even but still, guys around a million bucks or a million five. Like, that's what I would do if I want to play O'Reilly with JT. Because you're still lacking a third-line center then. The other part about O'Reilly and JT playing together, does that line lack pace as a whole? Yes, if you have Besser on your wing. Yeah. So you'd have to. That's where Barbashev comes in. Yes, <laughs> or like, or or you change it or, up a little. Or yeah, maybe you have Mikheyev play on. Or that you one. have Bavillier mm-hmm. go with Miller Bavillier and and. But I mean, I do think J, I think JT last year to start the season was obviously laboring yes. and looked a bit heavy. But he's generally a pretty quick hockey player. He's not slow. He's got a good burst. He's pretty explosive out the block right away. He gets separation. So I don't think he's slow, JT, mm-hmm. as long as he's just right and moving, you know. But I get what you're saying, and that's that's a, that's a question with with O'Reilly in general. But um, I think he undoubtedly makes your team significantly better. I mean, he's one of the best two way centers in the league. We have uh, we have a text coming in. Uh, move out more money, sign O'Reilly and Radko Gudis. Too slow if you get Gudis too on the back end. Yeah, doesn't feel like. The Canucks are angling for a right shot defenseman. Not of the available guys. Yeah. Like not, not a another high priced one, at least. At least not right now. Well, like you've got Veronic and Myers there. You do. Exactly. Well, I mean, I think I think Myers is fluid. Again, like we mentioned yesterday. If you missed yesterday's show, yeah. like we had a lot of good stuff in there, but I think Myers is fluid. Because I think like it, if this righty defense comes available and they need the money, I think then they would maybe do something on it. But if they don't, why do it? And again, going through the defenseman available in this year's class, it's Matt Dumba, Scott Mayfield right now, John Klingberg, and Connor Clifton. Yeah. And that's pretty much it as far as like righty options that are true righty, righties and Gudis who we mentioned. But I don't think Klingberg doesn't PK, doesn't fit. Uh, Clifton's a little bit smaller. I'm not sure that's going to fit. Mayfield's 30 years old. is going to get a big contract. Dumba struggled last year. And is not going to get. So I mean, which one of these guys you're willing to fork a lot of money over for? None of them. Yeah, I, I don't feel comfortable giving any of these these guys term. Mayfield might get the good Branson contract. Yeah, I like Mayfield, similar. but he's 30. Yeah, I can't give a guy like that four years, right? And that's why if you are looking at stop gapping or at least getting somebody in, as much as again, I have my questions about Carson Soucy. Yep. But if you're at a lower price range, that makes more sense than overspending on a righty defenseman, especially in this free agent class. And as far as the draft the trade market goes. I mean, every team in the league, every other team in the league is looking for a righty defenseman, and there's like, what, there's like a couple maybe available in the trade market? It's uh, never easy to find that right shot defenseman. Uh, all right, we're going to get to Shana Goldman. She had a piece up on Brock Besser, some uh, potential trade partners or teams that would want or might want to look at Brock Besser as a trade target given the idea that Brock could have some bounce-back potential. We'll get her thoughts on Brock's real bounce-back potential and some other things the Canucks might do this offseason. Plus, Kevin Woodley will join us in hour number two of Canucks Central.